I like throwing myself into new situations and new places. I especially love the feeling of being on a plane that leaves the ground and starts flying. It gives me a rush. I immediately have to smile and I always start a flight with a dramatic song. In May 2019, I was on a plane to Buenos Aires. I didn't really know what I would find there. I was super nervous. Before I boarded the plane, I had searched for queers in Buenos Aires on Instagram. And I messaged some of them like, Hey, um, I know nobody and I need everything, like friends, somewhere to live, places to go, events to participate in. And one of the people I messaged was the drag king Armando Abruno. Most of his photos were black and white. You could see selfies of Armando with a beard and some had political messages that I agree with. Like, there is no feminism without trans people. He replied to my Instagram message saying, I might have something for you. I host the drag king show, The Carrera de Reyes. The thing that I most want is to people to feel like, um, like in home, that they always wishes to, to have. Like Carrera de Reyes, I want it to be that moment that you uh, can have what you imagine and what you desire. That's like my priority is that like a safe space for the LGBT community. On the plane, I was excited about going to Buenos Aires. I hoped I would have a good time there, but I never thought I would find a place that would feel like home. This is a journey through the lives of drag performers all around the world. And also the story of how I became the drag king Maria Moschus. I am Taina and this is Drag Stories, Season 1, Argentina. When Armando is in school, he isn't Armando yet. He's Lucy. And Lucy is a bit of an outsider. I was like a very freak teenager. Like the weirdo. I, I, I was that kid that was always like drawing and reading books uh, and mangas. So I, I, I was the loser one, <laughs> that one, the one with glasses that uh, is bullied. Lucy spends most of her free time doing cosplay. Cosplay originated in Japan, but has become popular all over the world. Cosplayers dress up to represent a specific character from a movie, anime or video game. They create clothes and accessories and do their makeup and hair. Some cosplayers spend months making their own costumes from scratch. So it's basically a form of performance art. For me, at that time, started like a game. Like I, I'm really, really fan of, of some characters. So I'm, I'm going to embody it. And the first, first, first one was uh, Edward Scissorhands. And it starts like a costume, right? I have some pictures uh, and that, and I play with it. And then when, with the time, when I start like knowing other weirdos, that was the time that, that I get knowledge of conventions and, and that. And at that time, I start to, to make cosplay like, with 
with that kind of, of work and dedication. Edward Scissorhands is a character from a Tim Burton movie of the same name. He's a rather tragic, melancholic figure and the first male character Lucy impersonates. That's not unusual. Many cosplayers dress up as a character of a different gender than their own. Lucy gravitates towards a certain kind of character. Thoughtful but sad man. They realize that they like cosplaying male characters most. The, the male ones were more um, comfortable for me. I was more um, calm and having fun with them. With the females one, I was always like in, like in a test. I feel like I was always being evaluated and I have some, something to prove. With female characters, Lucy feels like he gets judged more harshly. And the way other cosplayers react to female characters makes him feel like he has to be very sexy. In that time, actually, it was like a lot of, of pressure for female characters. You have to be like really like her, have some characteristic of the body, the face, it, And actually, if you weren't that hegemonic pretty, you know, it, it came a lot of hate for you. At the convention and after, if you post the pictures, like people going to, to body shame you. Cosplay holds a space for Lucy to reinvent herself through many characters, to let out her creativity and craftiness and to try out different gender presentations. But in many ways, the cosplay scene is also pretty toxic. It was like, oh, you, you don't look like her, you aren't tall like her, you, I have a lot of, of hair on my, on my arms. And I was very young to start like shaving my arms, you know. And I, I remember like one time they body shamed that I was, um, that I have hair on my arms or my nose that I have big nose and the other ch character didn't have big nose. Lucy starts to realize how perfectionist, sexist and racist the cosplay scene is. There are more and more things she doesn't enjoy about cosplaying. She questions whether cosplay is actually what she wants to do. By now, Lucy is in her early 20s. She thinks of herself as a cisgender heterosexual woman. She has a boyfriend, and they've been together for three years. Lucy likes her boyfriend. They get along well, but she starts to question their relationship. But I realized that I didn't want to be with a cis man all my life, you know. In that time, I didn't even evaluate the thing that he was a cis male. It was just, I don't want to be with, with a man all my life. And we were in that point of the relationship that in a Christian family, you think that, oh, these two are going to get married and have kids and all that. And we really were on, on that trip, you know? These circumstances make it difficult for Lucy to figure out who they are and what they want. Their family, school, society, no one has ever taught them to understand these new desires. So Lucy is on their own when they begin to think of themselves as queer. My desire that I start to understand that I was bisexual at that time. And it cost me a lot because I was told that you could be like straight or 
homosexual, you know? There's nothing in between. There's, like, no, no other way you can be. Lucy comes out as bisexual, meaning she's attracted to more than one gender. But because she's still in a relationship with a guy, many people don't really take the coming out seriously, including her mom. That happens to many people, especially women who identify as bi but currently date a guy. People just assume that they're actually straight. So even though Lucy has had a big queer realization, her life keeps moving into a very specific, very heteronormative direction. Until Lucy pushes the brakes. She stops doing cosplay and ends her relationship. It was very drastic because actually we were like, after three years in a relationship, you know, like friends, like hobbies, like things you like, a place where you go, um, you have a lot of that in common. And actually I, I lost a lot of, fr of friends or people that I thought were my friends. So I was like, like very alone. Lucy has given up so many things that used to define her and her life. But in this empty space they left, she feels like she can actually figure out who she is for the first time. Because even though it was great to come out as bi, it doesn't feel like Lucy has untangled all her queerness yet. So Lucy throws herself into the queer scene. And when I start going to, to clubs, to parties, to queer places, actually when I was with other queer persons, was the moment that I understand that that was my identity and I understand my my gender too, you know? Like first was the desire and then was the identity. At the same time, Lucy enrolls at an art school. He starts to do performance art that is influenced by all his thoughts about queerness and identity. In 2018, he does a performance called Gender. Había como una mesa y como el elemento principal de la performance era, era un cuadro vacío, que no tenía nada, ¿no? Y, y entonces ahí yo empezaba como a, a generar esta situación muy eh, privada de alguien desvistiéndose, ¿no? Lucy sits at a table stereotypically dressed like a man. They start to undress as if they were alone in their private bedroom. In front of them is a frame, like an empty mirror. Y entonces me maquillaba ciegas, como muy estereotípicamente femenino, tipo labios rojos, me maquillaba tipo los ojos, me los delineaba, me ponía máscara en las pestañas y me ponía un vestido y una peluca. When Lucy is wearing only their underwear, they get dressed again. But this time as a stereotypical woman, putting on a dress, red lipstick, mascara and a wig with long hair. Looking like that, Lucy leaves the stage. The performance ends. But I really want to show people that the same fucking body, the same fucking body was uh, female and male and male and female and both, but no, <laughs> no both. Lucy's performance reminds me of something the feminist author Legacy Russell wrote. Here, each half of the binary is eating the other a dazzling fad to feast on. I feel like that describes Amanda's performance pretty well. And I have like this love and hate with these coats because I love them because I can do a lot of, of things like 
questioning, questioning them, but I hate them because some people really think that they are the only way of watching the world. And it's actually like, no, they are, you know, rules are made to broke them, <laughs> you know? It's, that's the only funny thing of having rules to broke them. By now, Lucy has seen a lot of queers breaking the norms of gender rules and realized in their own performance how good that felt. They come out as gender fluid, meaning Lucy's gender identity is not static, but flowing between different genders at different times. For Lucy, this explains why they felt so comfortable cosplaying male characters. It was letting out a part of themselves that felt masculine at that point. Actually, this is one of the things Lucy has kept from their times as a cosplayer, creating masculine looks on themselves and taking photos of it. Lucy mostly does that for art projects and doesn't really think about it outside of that. One day at a party, a drag queen approaches Lucy with a question. Hey, here in Felisa, they, are, they want a drag king show. I know that you don't do actually drag king, but maybe you are interested in this. And I was actually really interested at that time of doing a drag king show. At that moment, I, I was understanding that I was doing drag king, you know, just there. Lucy has been doing drag without even knowing it. Maybe because there were no other drag kings to show Lucy that this is actually a thing. Buenos Aires has a drag queen scene, yes. But a drag king scene? Definitely not. To find yourself as a drag king in a place like this is strange. I know this feeling too. It feels degrading. Imagine you are a female football player and you talk to somebody who's been watching and playing football for years. And that person is like, ah, oh, I did not know female football players exist. I've never seen one play. And that's what it's like when queers or even drag queens are like, oh wow, I never knew drag kings existed, or I've never met a drag king before. So when Lucy's offered to run a drag king show, they immediately know, I have to do it. I have to do this show. The Carrera de Reyes. Carrera and, and Armando are very together in its birth, like, because at first it was something that I only did For, for my artwork, it was just uh, photography. Like Armando only lived in photography and after the moment that Carrera Reyes uh, was like outed, uh, that was the moment that Armando leaves photography and start living in a stage or, or the, the queer places. And like this, the drag king Armando Abruno is born. Armando is a name, but it's also a verb that means building. So Armando a Bruno means building Bruno. Finding drag, and especially Armando, is a revelation for Lucy. Other people build their character far away of their self. But for me, being a gender-fluid person, Armando actually came out like myself mm -hmm. because when I, I'm like, say, I'm gender-fluid, people all only see me like a woman. So Ar Armando is like the space where I can be like my male being. While Armando is discovering his drag character, he also organizes the first Carrera de Reyes. 
It's a contest for drag kings at the Queer Cultural Center Felisa. So from the very beginning, being the host of the Carrera is a big part of Armando's identity. I'm really not um, the shy kind of, kind of person, but I was very nervous, afraid of all that was going on. But I was, I have this desire. I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to saw more drag kings. It's not going really to be my show, my drag king show. It's going to be like my, it's going to be a competition, like a place to others, for others to be drag kings. And it's going to be their, their places, not mine. I was like, I'm just going to be the host. In November 2018, the Carrera de Reyes takes place for the first time. You might remember the event from episode one. It was the drag king show that Andy desperately wanted to attend. The Carrera works like this. Armando starts the show with a performance on his own. Then follow performances by other drag kings. And in the end, a handful of judges crown a winner. All this takes place in a small room with wooden floors. There's a piano in the corner. The space in front of the piano functions as a stage. And about 20 chairs are in front of it. The sound doesn't work, the lighting is really bad, and that night there are only a few people there. Era el lugar que tenía el peor sonido y la peor luz, así que ser el host esa noche era como el trabajo más difícil de todos, porque tenía que enfrentar todas esas dificultades. Así que el trabajo que pensé que iba a ser el más fácil terminó siendo el más difícil. Armando thought hosting the show would be fun and easy, but under these circumstances he finds it extremely difficult. But then something happens that Armando doubted until the last second. Other drag kings show up. Armando had posted on Instagram that there would be a show and that people should come to perform. And yes, one, two people wrote him a message saying that they would do a performance. But in the end, who knows if they actually show up. But they do. You know, I don't want to be alone in this. I, wanna, I don't want to feel that I'm the only drag king. Um... And that night I realized that I wasn't and there was a lot of drag kings and that made me very happy. Um, and I thought that this place wasn't going to call us again, but they did. They keep on calling us to make the show. Armando and his girlfriend Feli basically run the show together. They organize everything and Feli provides the grand prize for the winner. It's queer underwear and other clothes made by her. By the way, check out her work on Instagram. The page is called Chaos Queer. Armando keeps hosting the Carrera and the show grows and becomes more and more popular. They create a safer space for queers and for drag kings who used to be pretty much invisible in Buenos Aires. This is a huge inspiration for me because one of my big dreams is hosting my own drag show. I've had that dream basically since I started doing drag. The drag scene in my city, Leipzig, is pretty small. And the drag king scene is even smaller. I know how happy and energizing drag can be, so I would love to create a drag king show for my community. I haven't done that yet. Because I'm scared. Scared that it doesn't work out, scared that COVID ruins any plans that I make, and scared to do such a big thing alone. This is a small break for some important information. You can listen to drag stories for free because we want everyone to be able to hear these stories. 
But this podcast still is a lot of work and we would really appreciate your support. Sharing our podcast with your friends and on social media helps a lot. If you want to support us financially, send us money on Ko-fi or PayPal. You can find the links in the description of this podcast. If you can give two euros, $50 or 100 pesos, any sum is appreciated and helps us to share the amazing stories of drag artists worldwide. I admire the way Feli and Armando started the Carrera basically by themselves. But they soon realized that it is becoming too big and too much for them. They need a team. But Armando isn't really connected with the rest of the drag scene in Buenos Aires. So where do you find a team for a drag king show? When Armando performs at another event, he meets the drag artist Vinito. They become good friends and Vinito introduces Armando to their friends. Esa, y esa noche eh, me adoptó como su hijo drag. Y buena parte de mí, de, de las personas que empecé a conocer dentro del drag fueron gracias a ella. Y lo loco es que ella estuvo desde la primera carrera en, viéndolo, ¿no? Como era de las pocas drag queens que estaba, que estaba viendo ca carrera es, como espectadora. Vinito has been watching the Carrera grow and is very interested in the stuff Armando is doing. So Vinito adopts Armando as their drag child. Vinito and some other of their friends and fellow drag artists join the Carrera team. Suddenly, Armando is part of a group that feels like home. And he begins to realize how important community and chosen family is. Not only for him, but for so many queers. He wants to embrace this in the Carrera. So drag for me is very important in our community. Like a lot of work of history is in drag. For me to, to have a place where people can do drag, can have their first moment, moment doing drag, is very important because it's, it's the keep on going of the culture, you know? Drag for me have this very big power. It's queer for queer, you know? It's like a very effective way of having fun with others. They exchange with others. And our identity is powerful for me. I can only say Armando and his team have brought their vision to life. In June 2019, I participate in the Carrera de Reyes for the first time, shortly after I arrived in Buenos Aires. On the night of the show, I get to the venue thinking, fuck, I'm super late. But nobody is there. Only Armando runs around organizing things. He's the first person I talk to at the Carrera. He's a bit stressed, but very nice, and shows me a tiny room where I can do my makeup and prepare. I'm actually already finished, outfit and everything. So I'm embarrassed. Like, someone tells you, this is where you can change. And you're like, um, that is actually my outfit? Turns out, I'm extremely early. The show won't start for another two hours. So I spend two hours pretending to do my makeup and talking to the other performers who start to arrive. Everyone is at least as nervous as I am. Before I came to Argentina, I was a baby queer and a baby drag king. I came back as an adult, well, let's say as an older teenager starting adulthood kind of thing. 
Like, I still have so much to learn about my own queerness and queerness in general. But when I was in Buenos Aires, when I was part of the Carrera, did my performances, participated as a judge, knew all the other performers, hung out with them outside of the show, this was the first time in my life that I felt like part of a queer community. We always say that you you were like very important in the in the first season of Carrera because you were in a lot of, of Carreras. You you have our hearts, you know, like a lot of of the audience of Carrera um, was in love with with Maria Nikita Moschus. Como que tu paso por Carrera fue muy importante para para todos. Ah, enough with the cutesy compliments part. I'm already getting emotional when I record this. What I like about the Carrera is that they work really hard to create a safer space. They want to avoid all forms of discrimination as much as possible. So they have established a political manifesto for the Carrera. One of the rules, drag performances can't be racist, classist, fatphobic, sexist or otherwise discriminating. Y creo que eso tiene que ver tanto en en la política de carrera, carrera tiene tipo reglas, tiene como, como una manifestación política donde dice que, que no se va a aceptar ninguna performance que, que sea discriminativa hacia, hacia el final del día, hacia grupos minorizados, ¿no? Eh, que no sea capacitista, que no sea clasista, que no sea racista, gordofóbica, LGBT odiante como que sabemos que esos son los números que no vamos a aceptar dentro del show. Sounds like an easy rule, but you never know what exactly an artist will do in their performance. It's difficult to grant creative freedom and at the same time honor your own rules and ideals. Obviously, being queer does not automatically make you mindful of all forms of oppression. Many drag spaces or queer spaces in general don't even try to be aware of these issues. Sometimes they even perpetuate them. For example, drag often plays with gender stereotypes. That's what's great about it. But it's a fine line between playing with them and reinforcing them. I've seen many drag performances where women are just portrayed as pretty and stupid and men as abusive and dominant. Ugh. Another example, gay cis men often dominate the world of drag and they have coined many drag terms and phrases like the word fish. In drag culture, this refers to a drag queen who looks very feminine and passes as a woman. The term fish is a reference to vulvas, allegedly smelling like fish. I've experienced a lot of offensive reactions from gay men towards vaginas, so I'm not a fan of this. In the end, whenever you plan a show or performance, you have to ask yourself, who are you performing for? You can think like the person that is entertaining, who you want to offend and why, you know? And I'm actually, I don't want to offend the people that in that, that are, are always offended, you know? I'm, I'm, I don't want to make heterosis laugh, you know? <laughs> I really don't. I really don't want to, to do it. I want to, to make queer people laugh. So many entertainers are punching down, especially when trying to be funny. They make the same old jokes about women, disabled people, trans people and so on. Armando doesn't want to do that. He wants to punch up and laugh about the people with privileges and power, straight cis people or the famous straight white men. 
That can be quite difficult, because our humor relies on a lot of stereotypes. So drag is always balancing this tension between reproducing harmful gender roles and deconstructing or criticizing them. And I have to say, as a drag king who interprets songs by men, it's really fucking frustrating how many male artists are kinda cancelled because they were abusive in the past. And I don't want to sing their songs. But actually, when I decide now to do drag king, is because I think and I feel that we need to think other ways of being male, of being a man, of being a masculinity. Here in Argentina, here in Buenos Aires, actually, they are like forgetting what feminism is, is really about. Feminism has helped me make sense of growing up as a girl. Why grown men whistled at me on the street. Why boys touched my ass at parties without consent. Why I had to wear high heels and makeup to feel desirable. Feminist groups have often felt empowering to me because there were no men. Suddenly, there was so much space I didn't even know existed, so much room for me and my feelings. Actually, Argentinian feminism has always been something to look up to for me. The feminist scene in Argentina is huge. You may have seen pictures of thousands of protesters wearing the green pañuelo. The green scarf is the symbol of the fight to legalize abortion. Or you may have heard of Ni Una Menos, Not One More. This movement fights against femicides, meaning women getting killed because of their gender. Niuna Menos began in Argentina and has spread all over the world. Or you may have heard of the giant annual feminist gathering of Argentinian feminists. The Encuentro Nacional de Mujeres began in 1985 with just a few women. Now 10,000 of people attend to discuss a range of feminist issues like the inclusion of trans men and genderqueer people in feminist spaces. But these feminist spaces often don't acknowledge how complex gender is. Queer feminism argues for the idea that not only cis women fight against the patriarchy, but that we need to liberate all genders from oppressive structures. And one of the things that me, myself and other people are watching in, in feminism, like we don't want man, Uh, we don't want penises. We uh, and and I understand why is is that going on because mm -hmm. it's history. Mm -hmm. um, but I really think that killing the idea of man it's not going to be the solution. Thinking another way of being a man or another way of being a, a masculinity mm -hmm. uh, is the way of thinking a solution mm -hmm. of this. LGBT community have always had men on, mm -hmm. on their community. Mm -hmm. So uh, for, for us, it's, it's like cutting one of the legs of the community. Okay. So for me, drugging is that space where you can think another way of being a, a man. man. Through the Carrera, Amando tries out different kinds of masculinities. He wants others to have room to explore, but he's also doing it for himself. Armando's searching for the male role models that teach a more positive masculinity. Armando's dad did not provide that for him. For a long time, un padre ausente, I don't know how to say that in English, like for all, all my, my teenage years, um, I didn't have a fa father figure, a present fa father figure. So I don't want to be that. 
you know, because I know how it feels um, and I don't want to be my father, you know. I hear this so often when it comes to male role models. Oh yeah, a nice father figure or masculine role model? Never had that. That's so fucking sad. But Amanda wants to change that. So he becomes a drag father. In 2019, he adopts his first drag child, Andres, who you've met in episode one. Armando wants to be a good drag dad, a positive influence for Andres. So Armando tries to channel his granddad, who was actually a very nice parenting figure. He supported Armando's artistic side and was a good listener. Actually, I started doing drag uh, and the first lip syncs that I did were like the, the music I used to listen with him. And actually, he always like listened jazz and blues and Frank Sinatra, the the song I did it my way. I did it. I that I did a performance with that song. It was it was for him, you know. He passed away before I I could even tell him that I was part of the queer community. Um. So. Like, <clears throat> I'm not going to cry, fuck it. Um, so that performance was for me like the way to telling him, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm really, okay. The, the last time I did that song again, I <laughs> dedicated to, to Andres that song. That performance, I like make a, a new version of that performance. It was funny because uh, the time that I make that performance for my grandpa, I didn't win, you know. So I want to to do in in the last uh, grand finale of Carrera de Reyes. I want to do this performance <laughs> where we. Con la que no gané, al final del día era como que para mí eso era lo gracioso. But what the, the, the song say, you know, like I did it my way, it means a lot of for me. And I wanted to, to do it for, for Andres and to make him cry too. So, and I did it. Amando's own drag parents, Dandy Dust and Vinito, mean the word to him. So he takes being a drag father very seriously. For me, like the drug family is very important. Um, it's not just like um, who's the person that teach me how to do my makeup. It's really the person that is like having my hand and and telling me that it's all going to be okay before I I go to stage. It's it's that person. It's it's very important, you know. For Armando, drag is all about coming together. And you can see that in Armando as a drag artist. Of course, he does drag for himself, to express his gender identity, to just have fun. But the whole character of Armando is built around his community. I'm doing this for queer people, to, for, for the people from, from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. I'm doing for, for them. My art is for them, so I want to, to make queer Argentinians from Buenos Aires laugh. The persons who are, that are uh, in places where being queer is, 
is very difficult. I want to say that you are not alone, that um, you deserve to be happy, really. You deserve to have fun. Uh, that is, that your identity is very important. For me, the carrera was exactly that. A space to figure out my gender and drag identity. To feel like all that is valid. And actually, not only valid. People would cheer me on so loud and so proud I couldn't fucking believe it. I felt so alive on that stage. And feeling alive is more than just living. It is art, it is culture, it's euphoria. And we need spaces for that. Because we are entitled to have fun and feel amazing about ourselves. In our next episode, Elektra Trash. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I'm not a mother. I'm not only a mother. I'm a grand, 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 granny. Granny mother. For me, it's beautiful because I give everything. I give all my life for the art of drag. Drag Stories is produced, written and edited by Mimimi Kollektiv. That is Filine Kreuzer, Lara Lorenz and me, Taina Grünzig. The music is composed by Music Shirt. Heinrich Jakunin edited the episodes. Lea Kimbinger is our creative director and responsible for our visuals. Itchy created my makeup for the photos. Special thanks to everyone who has supported us and to all the amazing drag artists that shared their stories with us. This podcast would not exist without you. To see what their photos and performances look like, follow us on Instagram at Drag Stories Podcast. If you like this podcast, please recommend it to your friends and review us on Apple Music or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps other people to find us. You can send us your stories and feedback on Instagram or via email to mimimicollective at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.